Welcome. You're listening to Sanseet. Where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine. To become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Aaron O'Dowd. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Good, how are you? Where are you in the world, Bob? I'm um, sitting under a tree by the side of a river in the mountains of northern Guatemala. Oh, wow. Sounds amazing. And um, it's a beautiful day. What can I tell you? You are in Ireland, I think? Yeah, that's correct. I'm in Ireland. So what did you want to talk about? I want to talk about you, Bob, what you do, uh, what is magic, you know, um, myst- uh, shamanism, astrology, uh, Mayans, etc. That's what I want to talk about you today, if that's okay. Yeah, it's a big order. <laughs> Where do you want to start? <laughs> you got to have a big order, start her mains in the dessert, and, I, you know. I started out as a normal person uh, from a wealthy family from Philadelphia. And, um, but I was not very happy. I was very awkward. And my family wasn't a particularly functional, loving family. And when I was in college, I started using a lot of LSD and smoking marijuana. And then I got caught up in the whole hippie thing. And that kind of really opened my mind to the fact that there was something else which I could be doing, which would maybe make me happier. Can I? Can and I, I started following that one out. I left. I left. I never graduated from college, <laughs> and um, wound up in a hippie slum in Philadelphia, West West Philadelphia, and then California. I started reading the books of Carlos Castaneda because I was trying to understand exactly what was going on with the uh, psychedelic thing. Uh, I was trying to understand uh, life, right? Yeah. And the only place I was getting any kind of good knowledge, good information, was from Castaneda. And that has continued to be my main guidepost. I've read his books over and over and over. And when I was in uh, San Francisco, being a hippie in San Francisco, I started... Uh, hanging out at this little spiritualist church. And that's when I started getting interested in uh, spirit communication. Although I myself wasn't doing it. I was just working with the woman, the medium who ran the church. And uh, there it kind of lay dormant. <clears throat> Until many years later, I was married to a Guatemalan woman and moved to Guatemala, kind of hoping someday to meet my Don Juan, right? And uh, I was here for a while, and then right about the point when I was about to break up with my wife, because my marriage wasn't particularly happy either, she started channeling spirits, spirit guides. And she taught me how to do it, channeling by automatic writing. And then from there, um, through a, a, a American woman who was a disciple of a Mayan uh, 
shaman healer in Belize, uh, I, I received a ritual that was used to invoke the Mayan gods. So I started doing that. And they sort of became my principal tutelary deities and still are. And um, what does that mean? <clears throat> they live inside me, kind of like the way a Christian says Jesus lives inside him and talks to him. It's sort of like that. They guide me, they help me, they protect me, and they uh, I propitiate them with the rituals, the traditional Mayan ceremonies. <clears throat> a number of years later, I met a teacher, a Mayan priest, and uh, he began uh, showing me the actual ceremonies. I, I had not been trained before that. I was doing rituals to invoke the Mayan gods, but I had not been had any training. I started getting training in Mayan shamanism, but I never really became a, a real Mayan priest. I didn't really feel that was my path. It's my religious orientation, but it's not really my spiritual path. And uh, But this guy, Donabel, he was a spiritual genius. You talk about astrologers making predictions. He was truly a genius during ceremonies. Would stop and then pull out of thin air some incredibly specific prediction that came true always. And um, he had some kind of ability to channel the Akashic, the Akashic records, just get right in there, which I've only been able to do in my life a few times. Hit or miss, but he was able to do it consistently. And uh, so that's about it. That's where I am today. At different times in my life, uh, other spirits have come to me. For example, both uh, Virgin Mary and Jesus have appeared to me in, at different times and thrown me into altered states of consciousness in order to show me things. And I, I pray to them every day, too. I had sort of added a... I have this daily propitiation I do for the Mayan gods, for the Virgin Mary, and also astrology spirits have come to me to give me information. A book I, I recently published about uh, William Butler Yeats' astrological system in a book he wrote entitled A Vision, which had always puzzled me because I never understood what that book was about. The spirits that channeled the book to him or to his wife came to me and channeled me an explanation of it. So that's my relationship to the spirit world. I, uh, I think they come to me not because I'm so spiritual, which I'm definitely not, but because I'm very articulate. I'm a good writer. And because of my mathematical training, I'm, I'm able to break everything down into categories and explain things very clearly. So I think that's why they came to me. Like, I don't think they came to Yates because he was such a spiritual person either, but he was seeking it. And because he was a very famous poet, they knew that they would have a, uh, a spokesman that people would pay attention to. And they, they come to me the same way, not because I'm so spiritual, but because uh, I'm really good at explaining things clearly, very complicated things, which I barely understand myself. <clears throat> but they've helped me. I, I'm really bad now than I was long ago. I've learned, you know, how to deal with life's problems as they arise. It's not like I command spirits and they bring me wealth and you know, sex and, you know, all my heart's desires. It's not like that at all. But on the other hand, they kind of keep me on the straight and narrow and tell me what to do 
and they do help in actual day to day problems occasionally when they feel obliged to. So I can call on them and send them out to my meeting or anything like that. But here and there, yeah, they do pop up and help me with very not any problems in my personal life. So that's kind of what my life is like. But in terms of uh, work, I, I had a farm here, which I'm uh, in the process of selling because my health is not so great anymore. I think I have to maybe move closer to a town in a warmer climate. This is very cold up here in the mountains where I live. Okay. Questions? <laughs> <laughs> tons and tons of questions. Um, we'll first start off with why... Um, is math so easy to understand what you do? Why is it not easy to understand? Or? No, no. Uh, why is... I missed, I missed what you said. It, it's okay. So why is maths uh, help you understand what you do? You know, so much of uh, New Age and astrological thinking and writing is so fuzzy that people aren't really saying anything. They're just blathering a lot of uh, baloney that doesn't relate to anything in the real world. You know, a, a mathematical training trains your mind in how to take a complex problem and break it down into its most fundamental units and examine how they go together. I, uh, the problem we have, us as astrologers today, is that you can, uh, there's so little respect which our society affords to astrology that very few fine minds are drawn to it. You, you know, when you read the astrology, <clears throat> there are some great astrologers out there, don't get me wrong, there's some brilliant ones, and they're purely psychic. And their minds are not at all organized. They just grab it out of the air like my teacher Donabelle did. But if we're going to formulate a science astrology, then we're going to have to be a little bit more uh, precise and uh, rigorous than the kind of blather that you, you see in the astrological magazines. And um, the general level is really low. It's uh, dilettantes and amateurs. Cause just because there's so much opprobrium which attaches to astrology. And that brings very few people that are capable to, to it. So that's what I've been trying to do in my work is uh, rigorize it a little bit. What what exactly are we talking about here? <clears throat> That's why I wrote a commentary on... Um, there was a really great writer named uh, Jean-Baptiste Morand de Villefranche, who was a Renaissance astrologer. Actually, he was the astrologer of uh, Cardinal Richelieu. Wow. And he wrote a series of short books of taking astrology apart and actually mathematizing it, bringing it down into its most fundamental units, and I wrote a book commenting on his explanation, trying to elaborate a little bit more on exactly what we mean by the word strength, because that's the word that's thrown around a lot of strategy. This or that factor makes a planet stronger. Well, what, what do you mean by that? So I wrote a book based on Marinus, which it tends to... Uh, just to find the word strength. The very basics of astrology have never really been rigorously 
uh, categorized, put into a system. There have been some great writers. There's some great English writers from the past century. Uh, uh, Alan Leo, Charles Carter, uh, in the United States, uh, Mark Jones. These were brilliant minds, and they were excellent at explaining things. Uh, so in no way am I saying that there has no been, not been any work done on this yet. But still, um, the general mass of astrological writing to come into, especially like I say in the periodicals, is very uh, low. They're, they're lying. These astrology columns, oh, well, this month this Venus trines Jupiter, and, you know, it doesn't work that way. It's not that simple. Uh, astrology works, but it's not the way they're trying to paint it to you. They're not telling the truth. And uh, one of the problems is they haven't really sat down and said, well, what works and what doesn't work? And that's complicated by the fact what works for Joe doesn't work for Mary and vice versa. Like, every horoscope reacts differently. So if you're going to be a good astrologer, you actually have to do study of the techniques that have worked in a particular client's chart up until now to see what might work again. For example, in my own chart, Saturn's transits don't work very well. Thank, thank goodness. Okay, thank goodness. Uh, but on the other hand, Uranus transits work really well. So, but this is me, like somebody else, it's the other way around. Everybody's chart is so different. This is a problem. But on the other hand, um, the stuff that you've seen, uh, well, Aries does this month, and, and Taurus this, and Gemini that, that's a bunch of baloney. It's not true. It's, it's false. It's lying. And why people bother with it, I have no idea. But uh, that doesn't invalidate astrology. It just means that uh, we need to do a little bit more digging there. And if they say a mathematical training or any scientific training in, uh, just asking the question, you know, what are we talking about? That's the basic answer we have to have before, uh, you know, we can start building the science of astrology here. But that's true of magic. <laughs> so much of it's fuzzy. Fuzzy thinking. You know, this is about casting spells. They work. And, yeah, but it's rarely explained exactly how to make them work. People think that just following some, saying the right words has some kind of bearing on it. It's, it's much more complex than that. It has to do with actually projecting in your own heart, not your mind, your heart, a probable reality in which that desire that you're casting the spell for comes true. Uh, you actually have to visualize yourself there in the scene of, suppose you want somebody to fall in love with you, okay? So you have to feel yourself physically present with that other person and let them do the talking. It's not like daydreaming when you're standing back and, or, you know, sexual or romantic fantasies or when you're standing back and watching the scene from a distance. That's what daydreaming is. Spell casting involves being actually in the midst of it and not controlling it but letting it unfold around you. So, See, this is, um, there's a science to it. It's like there's a science to astrology. But the way it's presented in so much of the literature, it's just so uh, fuzzy and uh, it's phony. It's not true. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But, but it does work. Yeah. yeah. But the materialists say, oh, well, these people are fooling themselves. No, that's not true either. They're ones who are fooling themselves. But I won't go into that one. I've done a lot of writing on uh, how false and the uh, materialist paradigm is if you find academic science. But uh, 
I'm just saying we have to use the scientific method without necessarily adopting their materialistic point of view, which is false. But their rigor and their uh, analysis, this should be brought to bear on mathematics, excuse me, on astrology and and uh, magic if we're going to turn them into sciences, something which we pass on. If, if someone is going to look at their astro uh, astrology report or the horoscopes, is there a basic way of understanding it? Everybody's got his own way of doing that based on his own experience. I, uh, in my books, I try to present a system where uh, I call what I do uh, based on Mark and Ben Jones' basic uh, approach but with uh, Morena's details. I, I look at first at the patterns the chart makes, configurations, <clears throat> the, the groupings of planets into shapes, like a grand square, a grand trine, a kite, a uh, trapezoid. That gives you a basic way the person is uh, approaching his everyday life and basically whether his everyday life is pleasant or unpleasant. If a person has uh, configurations based on triangles, basically you can say his life is easy. And if it's based on squares, basically his life is going to be very problematical and conflictive. So this gives you the basic uh, painting. And then I look at the strength factors. I look at which planets, particularly the ones in those configurations, are the strongest and which are weakest by the various ways in which we decide that, whether they're assigned and houses and whatnot to make them stronger or weaker. And uh, it shows in the picture, like the basic paint-by-numbers pattern is the configurations in the chart, and, and you, the actual little dots of page you put in there are the strength features, which planets are stronger, which are weaker. You know, a weak Venus, like I have, <clears throat> makes your personal relationships very uh, unfulfilling, especially relationships with women. Not very, uh, uh, not very happy. But you don't have much happiness if you have a bad Venus. If you have a good Venus, then people like you and you like them, and especially women are attracted to you and so forth. So, you know, Jupiter and money, for example. If you have a weak Jupiter, then you're going to have uh, money problems because you're just too timid to do whatever it is you need to do to make money. Whereas if you have a strong Jupiter, money just flows to you. You know, you sense it. You sense you deserve it. You get it. Some of the beings, you sense you deserve that kind of love. So it comes to you. And similarly with the other planets. They with a strong Saturn have a strong sense of discipline and self and where their lines are, they will not be crossed. Whereas weak Saturns are kind of people that are kind of self-indulgent and lazy. And so these are what the strength factors have to say about the person having to fulfill their destiny. And uh, the horoscope is basically a guide to not only the person's, uh, what's going to happen, his destiny, but also his character. In astrology, we say character is destiny. Uh, it's another way of saying you create your own reality. Who you are and the things that happen to you are two sides of the same coin. This is why the same things tend to happen over and over and over again in your life. As you come into this life with a bunch of a game plan, and that game plan can be read in the horoscope. So 
So uh, that's my basic approach. Okay. <laughs> Another question here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. Um, so as a as someone learning from a Mayan priest um, and uh, slowly understanding whatever, how did the astrology fit into this? They have their own astrology, which is totally different from ours. But there's a similarity to the basic approach to it. Um, their system is so different, I won't even begin to describe it. And it's not actually astrology, because it's not, it, it was at one time, apparently, but most of that knowledge has been lost. It's now mostly based upon accounts of days. Days themselves have import. I just, used, but it's used the same way as our astrology. It's used, it's used uh, the priests divine for specific answers to questions, depending upon what day it is and not ceremonies are held on particular days to invoke the spirits for particular purposes. And also a person's character and destiny are in great measure determined by the day you're born. For example, I'm born on the day of the sinner, okay? Mm -hmm. So my life is, they would call me you know, a rebellious, angry, so on and so forth. But there's more to it than that. It's, uh, you know, the, the people who are born the same day as me generally uh, love children. And uh, our, our, our totem animal is the vulture and the honeybee. So there's a whole thing there. There's a whole... But beyond that, my, my day, my day, Nagual, Ahmak, the sinner, has to do also with call from the ancestors. And it has to do with propitiation. What you have to do, the, the difference between the Maya day signs and our astrological signs, in some ways there's a similarity, but these day signs are regarded as actually being wise. They're like your tutelary deity. And if you're going to seek their protection, you must propitiate them with ceremonies every 20 days, because the Nagwals come up every 20 days. It's a 20 day cycle. And uh, so every, I, every day I go to my Mayan cross and I invoke the Mayan gods. Every 20 days I feed the cross with, with rum and uh, perform a little propitiation thing with all uh, incense and stars and whatnot. Every 260 days, which is a grand cycle because there are 13 sets of 20 Nagwals, 260 days in a complete cycle. So every 260 days, I call upon a Mayan priest to do a complete ceremony. So well, basically, the difference between astro the astrology of the Mayans and our astrology is that the day signs are regarded as being alive, and they have to be propitiated. You have to remember that the thing about spirits, which I've never understood, is they need... Uh, but respect is the first thing they need. But they also, uh, I think this is not so much for them, but for you, they want you to remember them. They want you to bring them little gifts. And in the case of the Mayan day signs, you should be propitiating them at every 20 days, every 260 days. There's a cycle. The, the thing that I think comes closest to Mayan astrology and our astrology is ticket tricks. Have you ever seen ticket tricks? No, I haven't. It's a eleventh-century um, Islamic uh, grimoire, which involves invoking 
spirits from uh, astrological, for example, the 28 lunar mansions are used for specific purposes and invoked uh, during when the moon is in that mansion. It's calling using astrology to call upon spirits. Uh, Franz Bardone talks about that a lot too. He has systems of, of uh, invocation of spirits. For example, the 360 degrees of the zodiac, each one of those degrees corresponds to spirit, which has a particular uh, purpose, which you can call upon at exactly that moment every day when that degree is rising. So this is, this is, um, it exists both in our astrology and in Mayan astrology. The spirits are invoked at astrological propitious moments. And they have different purposes. Um, there are some Nagwals in the Mayan thing which are for healing. So you invoke them to heal somebody. There are others that are invoked for uh, help in a, a lawsuit or problems with the, the law. There's others that are invoked for uh, a woman who's having trouble conceiving a child. They're invoked at Nagwal for that purpose. And these are always done at the right time and the right day. So, any other questions? I have plenty of questions. Um, uh, so, you mentioned at the beginning of the interview that um, this guy that you were learning from, uh, the Mayan priest, he was a genius. What made him a genius? It just was, you know. Uh, some people are genius musicians, and some people are genius chefs, and some people are genius mathematicians. He was just a genius uh, diviner. He was able to come up with these incredibly accurate, exact predictions out of the blue. I've been able to do that once in a while, but he was able to do it consistently. He had, uh, I, I'm convinced that uh, there are people that have direct access to the Akashic Records, and not just uh, Mayan priests or, or diviners, people like, uh, you know these, um, when the, it is savants, these autistics who are, can't even speak properly, but they're mathematical or musical geniuses. Mm -hmm. They are able to access the Akashic Records directly and pull information directly out of the Akashic Records, even though they can't even put together a normal everyday life. And people who are true geniuses in any field are pulling that information out of the Akashic Records. In other words, it's all out there already. People like Mozart, they would hear it. Where do you think they heard it from? It would come out of the Akashic Records. That stuff's already there. Everything's already there. And just certain people are able to access it. And my teacher, Donna Bell, was able to. At, during ceremonies, the door would open, and he would just suddenly turn to me or to whomever and give them some astoundingly accurate and specific prediction. Like once during a ceremony, he stopped, and he turned to me and said, you were about to have a huge land problem. Wow, you know, a week later, all of a sudden, I found myself embroiled in this nuisance lawsuit over a piece of land, which has dragged on for the past 10 years, and it's got another five years to go, okay? But okay. the point is, he predicted that out of nowhere. But he, he's made many predictions like that from the other people. So uh, that's why I call him a genius. He was just able to access the Akashic Records. In his everyday life, he was, he was a very spiritual man. He was a very soft-spoken, kindly he wasn't enlightened by any means, but he was uh, a very, very spiritual person. The Mayan gods tend to be, you don't go looking to be involved with them. They come to you. They call you. 
and uh, you have to be chosen by them if you're going to be a Mayan priest. And you can tell, you, know, you can tell why. At this point, I, I've been involved with the Mayan shaman a bit long enough to, I can see why they pick these people. You know, sometimes somebody will walk into my house and all of a sudden the spirit will start yelling at me, this guy, this guy, this guy. And then after I talk to them a little bit, I see why they say that. You can see what kind of people they like. They like people that are humble, respectful, and open, I guess, are the three qualities that they most admire in a person. You don't find my priests acting like, uh, well, I don't want to call names, but they're not, you don't have these phony, hypocrite, puffed up kinds of spiritual leaders like you do in the churches or like you do in the New mm-hmm. Age community, you know? Yeah. The real Mayan people are extremely humble, self-facing, and uh, you know, real, down to earth. That's why I like this better. Up in the States, I, I never felt very much at home. And the so-called spiritual world up there is just, ugh. I don't know, it strikes me as being phony. I, I know there's good people there doing good things, but they're not hooked up to the spirit world. And that's the difference. This is why, uh, you know, down here, I am. I got the spiritual connection to something that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. You can argue that, yeah, Jesus and, and, and too. And there are some great Christians that are truly filled with Jesus, and that's true. On the other hand, they're pretty much a rarity. They, I think uh, people that find true spiritual fulfillment through Christianity, at least through the churches, are uh, they do it in spite of the churches rather than with the help of the churches. Okay? okay? But I don't want to get into that whole thing. I'm just saying, for me, hmm. I found I was looking for here. And I do have a connection to Jesus and Mary, and I didn't go looking for them. They came to me. So it, it just comes to you if you're open to it. Yeah. I went to a church, spiritualist church in San Francisco in the 60s. It was like 20 years later that actually I began challenging spirits myself. At least I made myself open to it. I wanted it. And it came, you know. What is it like to be a, a Sean Bob? There? Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. What is Pardon? It? What is it like to be a, a to, to be a shaman? Yeah, it doesn't solve any of your problems. If that's your question, it just means you can this, you can invoke spirits. You basically means you're possessed by spirits who uh, help you, and basically it's sort of like being a glorified messenger boy, actually. Uh, and it's not I don't know the word shamanism. It's not that different than what um, the, the spiritualists were doing in San Francisco and the spiritualists do. It's just you're communicating with spirits. I think the main difference is that uh, shamans are possessed by the spirits. They live inside the, the shaman. But this is really no different than possession by Jesus. You know how um, Christians are often, they say, oh, invite Jesus to come live inside of you. Call upon Jesus to... Uh, take over your life. Well, this is calling Jesus in to possess you. So uh, people that are possessed by spirits, and there's lots of people, of course, that are possessed by demons. This is extremely common in our society. Uh, look at Donald Trump, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, being possessed by a demon gives you incredible cunning and a sense of the jugular. Although most demon-possessed people are on the way to self-destruction. But uh, many demon-possessed people are extremely cunning, and have the strength that a person who is not possessed does not have. 
that I'd say is the difference between being possessed by a spirit, whether it's a good spirit or a bad spirit, and not being possessed. If you're not possessed by a spirit, then you're wholly a creation of your society, which you're blown hither and thither by all the winds that are going on at that moment. You don't really have a solid base to keep you standing upright. I think about I think about it as these dolls that have a heavy base, and when you knock them over, they bounce right back up again. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're possessed by spirits, whether they're good spirits or bad spirits, when you knock us over, you come back right up again. Whereas if you're not possessed by a spirit, as many, many people are not, they just buy into their society and go along with whatever's expected of them and never ask any questions. They're just blown hither and thither. But like many people choose demon possession, whether they know it or not. They call demons in and uh, possess them, and uh, that certainly helps them make their way through life. But uh, it doesn't lead to much in the way of happiness. It's a problem. Yeah. And it certainly is the road to success in our society, because our society is really demonic, you know? If you want to be successful in our society, you really do need to be possessed by demons. That's how you can be put in the United States, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, questions? Yeah, um, you wrote, you've written a lot about magic. What is magic? I use that word because um, it, what I'm doing is not exactly witchcraft, and it's not exactly shamanism, and it's not exactly paganism. Uh, I call it uh, magic just because uh, it doesn't have the associations of those other words. Actually, what I'm doing is cognitive psychology. That's what I call it. But the materialists have already co-opted that term for the pseudo-scientific kind of babble they're doing, which has nothing whatever to do with cognition. But it has to do with basically learning how to operate on your intuition and your intent rather than on what society has taught you. Most people especially people not possessed by spirits, they just go along with whatever their mothers and fathers and pastor and teachers and government tell them. They never question it, and they just go along with it. And then the problem with that is that basically society is not designed to make you happy. It's designed to grind you down and make you a slave. It's just the way it is. So if you want to get out of that rat race, you have to learn how to follow your own intuition and intent. And the reason for spirits is that so many of us are unable to do that without spirits' help. In other words, the spirits come in there, and uh, their messages in the beginning, until we have our own intuition working, their messages take the place of intuition, but it gives us another option besides reading society's lies. In the same way, the spirits come in there and bolster our intent, when everything else is screaming, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, or you're being criticized and trashed by everybody around you, it's intent that keeps you going. And the spirits help, especially if you're possessed by the spirits, that bolsters your intent. But a true magician doesn't have any need of spirits because his own intuition and intent are, are working well enough that he doesn't need that reliance. But until people are able to do that on their own, which I'm certainly not. It helps to have spirits there advising you and bolstering you. Otherwise, like I say, you're just caught up in society, which is, means you're lost. 
Some people are happy in society. I know that. It's true. I mean, everybody's karma is different. Some people come into this world to be happy, jolly people. Their karma, their horoscope is full of grand trines and grand sextiles, and everything just clicks for them. That's their karma in this lifetime. Other people come in and everything, the health is bad and they're poverty stricken. And they're caught up in wars and genocide. This is their karma. Everybody's karma is different, but in a general kind of way, people that are playing society's game by society's rules are going to wind up getting screwed in the end because that's, society doesn't care about you. So if you want to find happiness, you're going to have to do it on your own, your own intuition, rather than believing beliefs. And you're going to have to rely on your own intent rather than relying on people patting you on the back. Because that's all empty. It's emptiness, you know. Does that answer your question? <laughs> it, it sure does. And in your your books, uh, what is magic and ma uh, magical living? Is this what is is this what you explain through your books? The, the, the main book, is, the main how-to book, is magical living. That's the one that is for like how to make your intuition and intent work. I give exercises in there. Like uh, the main one actually is. Uh, running around naked in the middle of the night in the wilderness, which sounds like a silly kind of technique, but actually it's the thing, I would say it was the most important exercise that my spirits taught me to show me how to get my intuition working. Uh, you, you just learn how to follow your own intuition rather than reasons for things. You know, you do things because you got to make money or because it's expected of you or whatever. Because you're running around in the middle of the night with nothing particularly pending, that gets you to follow the intuition, which is always there, but it's the background. Because in our lives, our daily lives in society, we're always so in a hurry for this reason, in a hurry for that reason, and under this pressure, under that stress. And uh, it's really difficult to find your heart center, which is where your intuition and intent well, actually, your intuition comes out of your heart. Your intent comes out of your belly. It comes out of your navel. It's a gut level feeling. But it has to do with, uh, you got to sort of quiet somehow all the yada, yada, yada that society is screaming at you all the time in order to find your intuition and intent. And in a magical living book, I give some exercises for that. Other things, like how to get your psychic vision going by looking at photographs, things like that. Just to show people, yeah, this is it. You can do it. You can do it. You, 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 right? It doesn't require any kind of great psychic ability. You sit down there and take the instructions in that book and start making magic work if you want to. That's the main thing about magic is letting people know they can do it. This is what Don, Carlos Castaneda, teacher Don Juan, was always saying to him. I'm not teaching you anything. I'm just showing you that you can do these things. All that's needed is for the teacher to make the student realize that he is capable of this. That's all any teacher really does show them that they're capable of something. And people are capable of magic, but the only way to make that work is uh, push society aside and find something else you can grab onto. Yeah. Something doesn't depend on other people. Something's just you and nature. Yeah. That's what paganism is. Uh -huh. It isn't worshiping nature, it's just getting out of nature to plug into something that is more real. I wouldn't say it's any more real than society, but it's more calm, more peaceful, 
go out and hang out in front of the trees every day. That's what I do. I've been doing that for you know, 30 years. Just calms you down. The tree actually affects you. It undoes whatever it is society is doing to you. This is why people find going to nature so calming and healing. And that's also in the Magical Living books and things you can do there. The important thing is just to get away from society. And that way you can listen to your own intuition and intent, get them working. That's when, magic, that's when the magic starts happening. Next question. Uh, with the Mayan calendar that happened in 2012, um, is that altered anything or has that increased the magic to happen for people? That was all a bunch of new age baloney. Uh, what that was was a, it was like the millennium was fresh. Remember back there in 2000, everybody was going, oh, Y2K, Y2K, yada, yada. Actually, nothing happened. Well, that was sort of the same thing here. That all calendar shift. The Mayan calendar has got certain counts which are sacred and others which are, I would call, civil. Like the sacred calendar consists of 260 days. The civil calendar consists of 365 days. But the mantic calendar is, a, is a, a sacred one, not the civil one. And the same way that that shift that occurred back in 2000, no, when was it, 2012? Mm -hmm. 7, yeah. That was a change of the long count, but that's not of mantic importance. And who was thinking big, beautiful about that was all these New Agers who don't know anything about the Mayan religion and have never set foot in Guatemala. It was just a bunch of new age, yada, yada, baloney. It was the same guy. I don't know if you remember way back when there was something called the harmonic convergence. Remember that? No. New age, yada, yada, back in the, I guess it was in the 70s. The same guy who invented that, oh, harmonic convergence baloney, is the guy that started this whole, oh, Mayan prophecy baloney going. It was just a self-promoter. Who just got up on and started beating the drum and all the kind of fluffheads, New Agers. Ugh, I hate to count myself a New Ager because I look at my co-religionists and I think, gee, the intellectual level here is really sad. You know? It makes kind of embarrassed sometimes to say, okay, I'm a New Ager. Ugh, everybody listening like, oh, you're definitely a flake, man. No, I'm not a flake, actually. But so many New Agers are, and that whole Mayan prophecy thing was a crazy thing. The Mayans said, I had my priest come to me and say, what is this Mayan prophecy thing I hear about in the newspaper? You know, Mayan priests say, what is this? Say, no, it, it's nothing. It's a lot of foreigners think they're cool and they ape. You know, the Mayan thing, which is a real thing. They jump on that. So that's the answer to your question as far as the Mayan prophecy goes. Um, so really, has in the Mayan religion, so nothing really has changed. Um, it still runs the same then, even though there was a... Uh, marketing of a 2012 calendar change in some way? Yeah, the guys who made money off of that weren't Mayans, I'll tell you that. Hmm. All they had nothing to the Mayans. They were just, they grabbed onto something and made something out of something which was. The Mayan religion's been around for 5,000 years and somebody around, you know, as long as there are people here. It's actually one of the very few um, sophisticated pagan religions still in existence because where Christianity and Islam have spread, they've wiped out everything that existed before that. And they didn't really replace it with anything that worthwhile, actually. And it is not in any way to denigrate true Christians. Like I say, I have a personal relationship 
with Jesus and the Virgin Mary, okay? Mm-hmm. So no way I'm denigrating that. But the churches, I don't have to go into it. You know, you, you know as well as I, you look at the history of it. I'm just saying that in my answer, one of the few ancient pagan religions that are left where they really do have a connection to the spirit world ongoing, which the Christianity and Islam definitely don't. And neither, of course, materialism doesn't, which purports to be a science, but they have, they not only do not have such a connection, they uh, denigrate such a connection. So when you talk about the Mayans, you're talking about one of the very few cultures left on earth that still keeps this going, that still has that connection to the spirit world. Okay. And um, do the Mayans practice ayahuasca rituals? No, they don't have that here. That's South America. Okay, apologies. And I do, but I, 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 I use, I personally my ayahuasca rituals. So it has nothing to do with my Mayan connection. That's, uh, that's in South America, not here. They're really, they, apparently they did have mushroom cults here because you can see in their art, the mushrooms figured as uh, a Mayan art at this time today. Even though the mushrooms are here, they have the mushrooms here, but as far as I know, nobody, uh, well, yeah, I do, because I'm hit at the Mayans themselves, though. Or if they do, I haven't run to people that do that. Okay. The priests and whatnot, I know them, don't they? Although alcohol is part of their ritual, and tobacco. Alcohol and tobacco are used in appreciating spirits, but that's the only, not the mushrooms. Okay, and what other shaman rituals that you do yourself? I do this ritual that was given to me by this American woman in Belize, who got it from a Mayan priest that is different than what my teacher Donna Bell did, and was different from what... This is getting a lot of complicated stuff. The ritual I do for myself comes from uh, the northern Maya area, Yucatan, Whereas the, the ritual that my teacher did is comes uh, from central Guatemala, but every Mayan group has its own ceremonies. So uh, the ones I do come from the north, and the ones I do, but I used to do this for myself. I don't usually have people around. I used to do it with people, but I, I I've gotten sort of more uh, like hermit as I've gotten older. Okay. I don't I don't do this kind of stuff publicly, but um, and then the rituals that I do for my Nahual, my Mayan. Not wow. I that's those are from Kiche Maya, which are central Guatemala. But every Mayan group, there's like some twenty five Mayan groups in Guatemala, Mexico and uh, Honduras. Now Belize. So each group has its own little version of it. But it's all based on the same Mayan calendar, the two hundred and sixty day calendar. But how they all apply it and the kind of rituals they do all different. But the rituals done right here where I live are not based on that calendar, and they're done uh, at night in caves, and they're based upon invoking... It's the same Mayan spirits that are invoked during the ceremonies, but it's a different... It's a different outlook on it. Every Mayan group has its own uh, particular shamanic rituals. And I participate in three different kinds. One which I do myself, which comes from Yucatan, one, I do, my teacher I used to do before he died, and I now do with other people, which comes from central Guatemala. And then there's the local ones, which are done to the local people here, the KT, which are uh, different. 
I just go to them as a participant. I don't uh, commission them anything like that. So there's three different sets of Mayan rituals I, I'm involved with, one way or another. Wow, okay. And there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Bob, do you meditate? Pardon? Do you do you meditate or practice or, or practice meditation? Oh, do I meditate? No, I do a little concentration kind of exercise uh, three times a day. I wouldn't call it meditation. It's sort of a visualization to uh, heal myself. And it involves concentrating my thoughts. And it's sort of like the Vipassana meditation in the sense that you're trying to, uh, every time you start thinking about extraneous things, you get your attention back to what you're supposed to be doing. But uh, I wouldn't call that meditation per se. It's just concentration exercises. Oh. I find that uh, in my own books, I recommend people, I don't say don't meditate, but I, I recommend people go to trees and nature spirits every day for at least half an hour or so, because uh, I, I think uh, Americans, like me, for example, you know, it's too antsy to uh, sit there and have that discipline. Now, some people are, and that's great for them, but ones that aren't, just go and sit out under a tree, you'll get much of the same calming, relaxing effect of de-stressing yourself that meditation provides. It slows down your thinking and your worrying, and so we use the tree spirits in our pagan practice, rather than meditation. But that's not saying that you shouldn't meditate or something. It isn't the primary dharmic practice of magic that I do. Um, there? Are you there? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still here. Still listen to you. Um, so... When you talk about spirits, are there spirits for different things like earth and nature and so on? Oh, there's zillions of them. There's just zillions of them. There's all kinds. And there's good ones and bad ones. And uh, when you start getting into it, you run into them all. You know, you're in the whole gamut of them. <sighs> Have you ever read Alan Kardec's uh, The Spirits Book? No. Because if anybody wants to know about spirits, that's the place to start. You can download it from the internet. It's published in Brazil by this Kardecist uh, organization. Alan Kardec, The Spirits Book. I'd say that's the best introduction to spirits. It was written about 100 years ago, but I don't have anything new to contribute. But everybody's experience with spirits is very different. So you can always go into it with your own kind of outlook on it. But if you're not in touch with spirits, and uh, like I say, like before, you just tend to be blown hither and thither by society. Society is not a good thing to hang on to for dear life, as most people do, because it doesn't give a damn about you, and it's not going to lead you to happiness. On the other hand, uh, if you want good information and some help along the way, then spirits are your only option. That's the only option you have to being a slave to society, really. And it's not that hard to get in touch with them. Yeah, my Magical Living book has the channeling spirit guides. But you can get online my... Uh, in my uh, website, dearbrutus.com, there's a channeling, how to channel spirits page. It's easy. It's really easy. Anybody can do it. I would say that of all the things I'm, I've done, the most important one is that 
learning how to channel spirit guides with automatic writing. It's really easy, 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 and it's a way that anybody can get into challenge spirits immediately. It's not so complex. Like so many other things involve rituals and uh, propitiation and correct astrological times to invoke spirits and so forth. I've tried to kind of, this is part of my mathematical training, right? Cut it all down to the simplest, bare bones. Just get down there and get a notebook and a pen and just start channeling them, right? It's not that hard. Uh, why is it so simple to do this, but yet so complex for people not to do it? Yeah, people are afraid. They don't want to. People are afraid. They're afraid of the truth. They're afraid of uh, taking responsibility for their lives, and uh, they don't. That's why they're afraid. Society trains you to be afraid. It is not society's interest to have happy people. If they were happy, they wouldn't need society. Society kind of hang, has a little, you know, apple that it hangs there in front of you and makes you just outside of your reach and keeps you grabbing and grabbing and grabbing to keep you going forward. Society is purposely designed to reduce people to slavery. If people were happy, they wouldn't be buying this and buying this and buying this, you know, getting online to buy more and buy more and buy more, looking for something inside of themselves which they can't find. So society trains you to look outside of yourself. Society certainly doesn't want you answering your own questions, you're speaking to your own spirit guides to get your own answers. They want you going to these stupid churches with your lies. It's another form of slavery, these church lies. If you do this and this and this, you'll go to heaven when you die. And these stupid people over here don't belong to our church, are going to go rot, burn, hell, ha, 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 you know. The only way you can cut through all the lies is to channel spirits yourself. The only way. As I say, you can either involve the spirits yourself, or you can be a slave to society and its lives. It's your own choice. Who who inspires you, Bob, to do what you do? Castaneda. Carlos Castaneda's books, they just lifted me up out of uh, all my confusion. I mean, everything I wanted is there. I'm not saying that's everybody's staff, but it certainly was mine. And some people are confused because there has been so much disinformation against Casaneda that say, oh, yes, I'm in the Casaneda, immediately sets you up for people uh, dismissing what you're saying as uh, stupid because they're ashamed, they're afraid of, of uh, there's been so much opprobrium deep on Casaneda. Like, have you ever read Richard Mill's uh, diatribes against Casaneda? No. Uh, the whole scientific community, uh, the New Age community. Oh, no, 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 no. See, the problem with Castaneda is similar to the problem with Sigmund Freud 100 years ago. See, what they're saying is true, and it freaks people out. But what Freud was saying about sex or what Castaneda says about magic, they cut too close to the truth. People freak out about it. So they have to, after, in the case of Freud, they had to say, oh, he's a pervert. In the case of Castaneda, they had to say, oh, he made this all up. Uh, and it, to associate yourself with Castaneda... A review of all my books came out in an astrology magazine just this past month. And at the end of it, the reviewer said something about, oh, yes, well, this guy's in the custom media. It's sort of a put-down, right? Uh, it takes a lot of courage to stand up for the truth because, believe me, nobody in our society is going to pat you on the back or through rose petals in your path for speaking the truth. Quite the contrary. 
know, you should have Jesus. Well, what's going to happen to anybody that uh, goes against the basic currents of society? And Castaneda did that. I'm not saying the Castaneda's books are for everybody, but they were, you know, they were definitely for me. They definitely opened the door and showed me the way. And uh, they have the best critique of everyday life that I've ever read anywhere. And it's not just a question of magic and all these weird things that he's involved with. It's also a question of living your everyday life. You find in uh, so much spiritual writing, especially fluffy spiritual writing, oh, just think happy thoughts and, and be a nice person. And yeah, well, well, why is that so impossible? It is impossible. There's reasons why it's impossible. There's reasons why that's all a pack of lies. But the only place I've really found good information on that is in Katsunia. So that's what I recommend to you. And it's not, like I say, it's not really a cup of tea. Some people are going to find uh, other kinds of paths. There's no skin paths out there. You have to find the one that works for you. If there was a particular item uh, that you've taken from your story, experiences, knowledge, teachings, what would it be? That has to do with my own personal karma and it wouldn't apply to somebody else. But I would say... Don't worry about what anybody thinks of you. If they're spitting all over you and sliming all over you and screaming at you, the hell with them. Follow your heart. Now, the danger in that is that wrong-headed people, demon-possessed people, that's exactly what they do. They don't care about what anybody thinks. But I'm just saying, uh, anytime I listen to other people instead of following my heart or I try to make somebody else happy instead of doing what my heart said, or any time I uh, was, was fishing for some kind of approval or uh, a pat on the back, I only wound up getting screwed. And the only and when I, I've been able to turn my back on people that are sitting on me and uh, just follow what I knew in my heart was right, then I, I, I found the right, the right path. But see, that's just my karma. Some other people don't have as nasty karma as I have, right? My heart was pretty afflicted. So, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of uh, flames and arrows of outrageous fortune that other people wouldn't face. For somebody else, maybe their spiritual problem would be something else, like not, uh, you know, being so involved with money. Bob, I just want to say, um, you know, thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing what you've got to share, man. It's, it's been a blast. Great. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. I enjoyed it, too. Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out Sanseat.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot com. Join Sanseat Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.